Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Why we should have a building. I think this is an illustration of it. Because the first week we were at Eisenhower. And then we were at Hoffman for the rest. So you got to think to yourself, there's no way we could have ever pulled this off without having a building. And so today, I want us to look at Acts chapter 13. If you want to turn there. I did make one mistake. One of many today. Josh, can you do me a favor and bring this back to the AV guys? Thank you, sir. It's very unusual for me not to have a Bible with me, so I'm trying something new. We will read from the Bible, but we'll... See how this works. Usually with the music stand, it feels like it's going to tip over. So I wanted to try a table, and then I just figured maybe I wouldn't try it with the Bible because it wouldn't be enough room. So we'll see what happens. With that in mind, I want to look at Acts chapter 13, and I want to talk today about seeking God together. And I want us to read Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. This is what Scripture says. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Menaean, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. One day, these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, and the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, they laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, there is so much to be said about how you work in churches. We are grateful that Through your word, we get to see from the church of Antioch how you work. How you call us to yourself and then send us out. How you want us to own our faith and pass it on. And I pray today, among all of the things that we need to think through and decide on in our personal lives and as a church, that the one thing that we will see is that you do guide and direct your people when they seek your face and your hand of favor. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, I want to start with a picture. <coughs> and uh, for those of you who are observant, do you notice anything about this picture that sticks out to you as very unique and strange? Yeah, the signs, right? (laughs) Which way do you go? You can go this way, you can go that way, you can go this way. How many of you, when you have a decision to make, feel just like this? Right? It's either there are a lot of good decisions, like recently our family had to make a decision, there was pros and cons for both sides, and you look at it and you go, which way do I go? And sometimes, unfortunately, you look at the decisions that you have to make, and none of them are good. And it's kind of like, pick my poison. Which one do I want to go with? 
decisions. We have a lot of decisions that we have to make. And yet the good thing about all the choices and decisions that we have to make is that God provides us a map, which we call the Bible. But even better than the map that he gives us is the guide, who is the Holy Spirit. You know, have you ever had a map and you kind of get confused with the map? But when you're driving with someone who knows where they're going, it sure is a lot easier, right? And that's what we're learning or going to learn today in Acts 13, that not only did the early church have a map, but they had a guide, a guide who would clearly direct them in the way that they should go. Now, there are a lot of people that have decisions here, and I asked a few of you if I could ask what decisions you might have. So Evelyn, hiding out there somewhere, what decision, you don't have to come up, sister, you can just stand there. What decision do you have facing you within the next year? Okay, where well, you're heading off to college, yes. As you're heading off to college, do you have any colleges in mind? Colorado Boulder. That's not the one where Deion Sanders is, just to be clear, because you don't want to play football. Am I not mistaken? Okay, excellent. So you have a decision to make, and you could probably go to either one of those, and God can do something in you and through you as you make that decision. Anyone here considering a job change? Maybe nobody. Maybe somebody. Promotion or something that you have to do. Uh, Some decision that you have to make and you're looking for guidance. God, what is it that you want me to do? Let me ask this. Is there anyone here that goes to a church and has a building and is wondering how should we do this? Okay, we all do, right? We're all here. We have decisions that we have coming up in the future as to what we are to do with our building. We need to seek God together. And for that reason, we've been spending 21 days in purposeful prayer saying to God, this is who we are. This is where we are at. And now will you lead us on how we do this church? So I want to look at this text and I want to give us a few things about the church at Antioch. Two things exactly that will help us come together and seek God together. And the first one that I want us to look at is this, Antioch living in the Spirit. Antioch was a church that lived in the Spirit. Now, as we saw in verse 1, there's a diversity of leaders at this church. That diversity was actually unity because they were united in Christ, and they came together fasting and praying. Now, let's see what they did. Excuse me, in verse 2, it says this. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. When I sit there and think about this, I have to ask, or I did ask myself the question, when they say one day, do they literally mean one day in the sense that there was some event There was something that was going on in the church that was driving them to come and fast and pray. Because one of the things that we have learned through church history is this, that God sets his people to praying before they do his work. In other words, they came together praying, not knowing what it was that God was going to say or have them do, but they knew that if they sought God together, God would speak to them and then they could act. The church was actually driven to pray, and then ultimately we'll see driven to mission. Because we don't just pray to pray, because it's a good thing to do, to seek God's guidance, but when we seek God's guidance, God is calling us not only to be, but to actually do something. Now, 
when I thought about it, I thought to myself, I doubt highly that this one day means that it was one event, one thing going on in the church. Let me explain through a movie, and I'm going to ask for your forgiveness for having watched this movie beforehand. I watched The Force Awakens in bits and pieces from Star Wars. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, Star Wars fans are like, horrible movie. I watched it twice. It's still horrible. So please forgive me for watching it. But I want you to understand this. In this, you have this young lady named Ray who has force-capable abilities suddenly able to use them like she's a master. And I'm watching thinking to myself, you've got to be kidding me. They get little kids and train them for years to get to this place and suddenly you're using what they could just like that. So to me, that was ridiculous. To me, looking at it and saying here in this one instance where it says one day, I don't think that Luke, the writer of Acts, was saying one day these guys just felt that they should get together. I think more importantly, what we should see is that Antioch, as a church, lived in the spirit, period. And while living in the spirit, one day God spoke. You see what I'm saying? Because I think to understand when we want God to direct us, we can't just flip a switch and hope that God will direct us. Now that happens. But the way God really works is as you live a lifestyle, as you grow familiar to his voice, the more you hear his voice, the easier it is to speak. So I think the church at Antioch actually lived in the spirit. But you can take my word for that, or we could go to the scripture. If we went to the scripture and we read Acts chapter 1, verse 8, this is what we would read. (coughs) Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So before he ended into heaven, Jesus said, hey guys, listen, you're going to receive power. I'm going to transform you. I'm going to change you. You're going to go into all the world and you're going to see people's lives change because I've given you this power. Many people will come to me. And then when we get to the church in Acts chapter 11 in Antioch, it says this, and the hand of the Lord was with them, the church at Antioch, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. And what this means is this spirit, the power of the spirit, because the church at Antioch lived in the spirit, was manifested by the fact that a lot of people were coming to Jesus. They were a spirit-filled church, but it doesn't stop there. The next verse, chapter 11, verse 21. Sorry, 24. Reads this, Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. What this is saying that in the midst of this Antioch experience, as the church was growing, the apostles in Jerusalem said, we need to send someone there because this church is growing and we want to make sure that they keep growing. So we're going to send Barnabas, the encourager. Why send Barnabas? If you look at these verses, it says because he was full of the spirit and strong in faith. It was his lifestyle. It wasn't like on Sundays he would turn it on and you'd say, man, that guy's anointed. It was if you followed Barnabas wherever he went and looked at his lifestyle, he was full of the Spirit. Then go to verse 28, chapter 11. reads this way. Agabus, a prophet, stood up in one of the meetings and predicted by the, say it with me, Spirit, that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. 
In this church at Antioch, in the middle of a revival service, a prophet stands up and says, a famine is coming. Now, how does it happen? It happens because the church at Antioch is living in the Spirit. It is not something that they do on Sundays. It is not something they do when they go to community group. It's something they do as a lifestyle. They're walking in the Spirit. So to me, when we read in verse 1 and 2 that it's one day, what I think it really means is one day God spoke, but these guys have been living it for so long, it's really easy for me to enter into their service and say, this is what we're going to do. Pretty simple. Really easy. What's the results of this? Well, if you look at verse 2 again, what does it say? I'm sorry. Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called him. Right? What is the result of listening to God? They had five leaders, and they're about to lose two of them. Let me give you an example of how that might take place in our church. Uh, How many of you know Pastor Stan? Okay, you should all raise your hands, hopefully, unless you're a visitor. Could you imagine right now, is he here or did he run off? Because I told him I was going to use his name. Did he stay around? Okay, he didn't. Okay, so imagine if, as we're here, a prophet named Ben Uman stands up and says, in the midst of this service, the Lord has told me, Pastor Stan needs to go on missions to, I'll say, Thailand. How would you feel about that? I don't know, I'll ask Dave. How would you feel about that if Dave said, or if the Spirit said, Stan's going to Thailand on missions, he's got a week, that's the end of it? Mixed. Panic! <laughs> Wouldn't you panic? I'm pa- I would panic to think that all that he does for getting us ready for this building that we're about to move into in 10 months to imagine if he's suddenly gone, who's going to do all that? That's a lot that he does. So imagine now as the church is sitting there and the Holy Spirit says, set aside for me Saul and Barnabas, two of your top five leaders. They're off. I need them to go somewhere else. What do you think the church is going to do? Anyone want to guess? Chris, do you want to guess? Oh, you had to ask that guy. <laughs> okay, what well, is a good answer, right? They would not panic. They wouldn't, why? Because the church is not about Saul and Barnabas. The church is about how the Holy Spirit is moving in them. Did you know that before Barnabas and Saul got there, that the church was seeing large numbers of people come to Jesus? Why? Barnabas and Saul weren't there. It's because the Holy Spirit was working. And... When Saul and Barnabas left, guess what? The Holy Spirit was still working. Because it's not about the individuals, it's about what God does. Now we have a bunch of doctors here, and I think one of the things that the church really needs to be clear about is that it is the Spirit of God, not necessarily people. So I have a bunch of doctors. Uh, I was going to ask you, but I didn't ask you, but do you want to take a chance here, Sanders? You're a doctor, right? Do you want to share with us what you do? I know you weren't expecting this, but do you want to share anyway? Cardiologist. Okay, good. Warms my heart for you to say that. Oh, wait a minute. Sorry about that. You're another doctor. I did ask you, what do you do? Internal medicine. Okay, that hits me right in the stomach. Okay. Uh, Andy, what do you do? 
radiology. And Josie, where are you? Because I asked you also. Orthopedic surgeon. Okay, now I'm going to have us take a vote. Which one of these doctors do you think is more important than the others? Right? Doesn't that sound a little crazy? And this is what I want you to see. When the Holy Spirit calls Saul and Barnabas, he's only giving one, two people among many and a specific assignment equipped specifically for them. He is not saying that Saul and Barnabas are better than everybody else, so I'm sending them. What he's saying is, here are two people that I have equipped as teachers of my word, and I'm sending them out on mission. Why is this so important? Because we must, must see that it is living in the Holy Spirit that makes a church the church. It's not about your leadership. There are probably a lot of churches, and I feel we have good leadership, but of course I'm saying that because I'm biased. But there are a lot of churches who may not have the most eloquent of speakers, may not be the most organized, but God is seeing people come to Christ because of that church's ministry, because it's not about the leadership of the church. It's about the Holy Spirit. And what's important for the leadership of the church is this, that they follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's what made Antioch a church that we talk about 2,000 years later. It was their lifestyle. This regular practice of living in the Spirit was the very thing that allowed them to hear God say, now I'll separate these two guys and send them off. Now we know that. Okay, great. So what makes the church a powerful, fruitful church is that they live in the Spirit. And not that it's just a revival meeting, but it's actually a lifestyle. After knowing all of this, the question then is, how do we know that a church is living in the Spirit? If we ask the Antiochian church, how is it that we know, how do we know that you do, how did you do this? How did this come to pass? How do you live in the Spirit? And I think there's two things, I think, in the Scripture that we'll see. The first one is this, is that they feed on the Word of God. Acts chapter 11, verse 26, as it comes up, reads this way. Barnabas and Saul stayed in Antioch with the church for a full year. Doing what? Teaching the Word of God to large crowds of people. Acts 13.1, what does it say? Among the prophets and teachers of the word of God of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Menaean, the childhood companion of King Herod, Antipas, and Saul. What really made this church able to actually live in the spirit was that they feasted, I should have put feasted, I think that's probably a better word, feasted on the word of God. The word of God mattered to them. They gathered together to hear, what is a God that you would have to say to us today so that we might live in the world that we live in in order to be fruitful in the ministry, in order to see people say, I want to know this Jesus that you know. What is it that they did? They feasted on the word of God. That was what was inside of them. Now, Linus, I know that you're weighing back, and you might not want to share, and if you do, please don't take five minutes. 
But what is the one thing that you told us last night about what goes on inside of us? You understand that for a second? I know this is a little strange, but you're pre-thinking, not your post-thinking, which, by the way, was a good word yesterday, but I just want your pre-thinking. When people bump into you, Perfect. Thank you. <clears throat> this church feasted on the Word of God. If you bumped into them because they had so much teaching, the Word of God came out of them. Because the Word of God filled them, the Word of God controlled them. Because filling talks about control. How do you control what's on the inside? I know. I cannot drive without sinning. And I mean that. Because what's inside of me is high expectations that everyone be, would be as good of a driver as I am. And I am angry with people. I mean, I can be listening to worship music. And whether I'm getting out at Arlington Heights or I'm getting off or whatever it is, that person that drives in front of you doing 45 miles an hour, getting onto a highway where people are doing 90 makes me angry. So I can be saying, hallelujah, Lord, why is that person, that's not the word that I necessarily use, driving so slow? I cannot drive. Because what is inside of me? Arrogance. That's what comes out when I am tested. I cannot play sports anymore because I get so angry. And people say, dude, you got to learn how to control it. I have tried for years. I lose all the time. That's what's on the inside. But if the word can get in there and reshape, I pray always, God created me a clean heart, a pure heart. So that what bumps, when I get bumped, when that slow person is driving, maybe there's a reason why. Instead of getting, I haven't gotten there yet, but that is my hope to one day get there. You know what I mean? And so the fact that they feasted on the word of God allowed the spirit of God to control them. What's the second thing that helped fill them to be able to live in the spirit? And Chris, what is that word that you used? Obey, obedience. Do what you're told right away. Let's go back to the verses and we're going to see, what does it say? Verse three. So after more fasting and prayer, The men laid their hands on them and then sent them on their way. They didn't sit down and go, hold on a minute. Who's going to teach in place of these guys? Uh, What strategy are we going to use? How are we going to send them out? Where are we actually going to? They didn't have that meeting. All they know is that the Spirit of God said, this is what I want you to do. Separate Saul, separate Barnabas, and send them. And do it now. And the way that we can sense that how to live in the spirit is that their response was immediate. Well, I shouldn't say immediate because what they did first is they prayed and fasted some more and then they sent them. I think God's okay with that. You know what I mean? I don't think he said, I told you right away, why'd you fast and pray? No. They fasted and they prayed more and then they sent them. They didn't worry about anything because the spirit was in charge. So for us to understand, what does it mean to live in the Spirit? you got to get into the Word, and you got to obey what it says. 
Let me give you an example. This might press some personal buttons. I'm not saying anything about the speaker or the message except that it was good. Two weeks ago, does anyone remember what Pastor Sam talked about? Anybody? I'm sorry? I have to confess I'm hard of hearing. I'm going to guess that you said discipleship and disciple-making. Was that right? Okay, I, it might not have been. But I really, I have a hard time hearing sometimes. He talked about discipleship and disciple-making. It was a good message. It was clear. It was so, it was succinct. It was perfect. It fit right into what any and every church, even our church, needs to hear. We are about making disciples. It's not just discipleship that's good, but disciple-making because we don't want a bunch of holy people gathered together in our holy huddle saying, whoa, the world is scary, the world is scary, I don't want to go out there. We want a group of people who are becoming disciples who say, oh my, the world is scary, we better get out there. See the difference? So when you look at the church at Antioch, when they begin to pray, God sends them on a mission He's not saying, let's stay here in Antioch. The church is growing. It's multiplying. People are coming to Christ. What they say then is, this is great, but God is on mission to rescue the world. Somebody's got to go. So separate for me, Barnabas and Saul, and send them on this mission. And they obeyed right away. And this is how they stay connected to living in the Spirit. Let me finish with this. So we got two things. The first one is this. When we look at the church of Antioch, if anybody's remember, so this is going to test your memory. What is the first thing that we said about the church at Antioch? Caitlin, do you want to answer? Did you say living in the spirit? Yes, they were living in the spirit. And the second thing that we said, how do you know that they were filled with the spirit? Because they feasted on the word of God and they did what God said. Let me conclude with this. God speaks to his people in times of decision. He speaks through his word and his spirit. And what helps us hear him and hear him clearly is often tied into the fullness of the spirit in our relationship with him. This is the church of Antioch. How is it that you could hear that so clearly? It is because they were so connected to the spirit that when God said, separate these two guys, they jumped up and said, yes, amen. See you later. The second thing, a spirit-filled people with a spirit-filled ministry will eventually have a spirit-filled mission. No ifs, no ands, no buts. Look at our youth group. What just happened over the last four weeks? You see a group coming together with a mission to own what they have and to pass it on. In a sense, when I I was talking with Amanda the other day, it was like Tuba City Revisited, where the youth group grabbed a hold of something and then they gave it. I mean, that's a great reason. It's a great picture as to why we want this building because of the ministry that we can actually see happening, not by those that we might actually say, wow, that's who's supposed to be doing this, isn't she? They did ministry. Because remember this, the spirit of Christ is a spirit of missions. 
How many sons did God the Father have? Anyone want to guess? I mean, this is, and if you say more than one, <laughs> we'll have a talk later. <laughs> so anyone want to guess? I gave you the answer. Bethany, you want to guess? Did you say one? Yes, I would agree with you. One. What was his ministry? He was a missionary. A missionary who would become Savior and Lord. Missions should be in our blood. But let me give me a specific application to finish completely with this. Why don't you just understand, our building, this gift that God has given us, is a worship center and a mission center. It is a worship center and a mission center. What do I mean? What I mean is this building is not for us. If you remember Pastor Dave's sermon, it is about the church gathered. It is a sanctuary. It's where we come together, where we as a family come together. It's not the game. Sunday is not the game, the game of life, Christian life, spiritual life. Sunday is halftime, and that's it. It's where we come together and we discuss what has happened and what needs to happen in the second half. We come together, but then we go out and we play the game. So that Monday through Saturday, that's where the real game actually happens. That's the place where us living in the Spirit, feasting on the Word of God, obeying God and what He says and does, is the very way in which we are to live. It is not about Sunday. It is about Sunday through Sunday. So how does our building fit into this? We right now are in the first, third, finished of a 21 days of purposeful prayer for our building. And here's what I want us to have. Our three things that we should be asking ourselves is this. Number one, from Matthew 22, it says this, love God and love others. How can we love God and love others through this gift of a sanctuary slash building that God has given us? That should be our prayer. God, we want to love you through this building. We want to love the community through this building. How do we do that? That's what our, our motivation is. Not the American dream. What's the, quick question. What's the American dream? <clears throat> Throw it out there. Did you say own a house? Patty, you'd be right. Own a house. That's the American dream. If you own a house, you have arrived. What's the American church dream? Own a church building. Man, you have arrived when you own a building. So far from the truth. Because Antioch didn't have a building. They had the Spirit of God. You can have a building, but if you have no spirit, you have no church. God has given us a building, and he wants us to use it to love him and to love others. The second thing is we get to have discussions about what's going to happen with this building. We are told in the Lord's Prayer, what? Not my will, but your will be done. We have uh, 116 partners as of right now. And I imagine if you got 116 people together, you would have about five or six camps of opinions on what to do. The reason we're praying, and this week that's what we're focusing on, God, what you want, your way, not our way, is what do you want this building to look like? How is it that you want this building to look so that people will come. The question is not the building, though, is it? It's the people in the building. People who are willing to surrender their agenda, their way to God. 
and not their way. And the third thing is, God, how will you lead us? And that comes back here in this Acts chapter 13 passage, where the church at Antioch, because they feasted on the word of God, because they obeyed what God told them to do, were filled with the Spirit. They were controlled by the Spirit. You bumped into them, the Spirit flowed out. That's our call as we continue with this prayer and fasting. That's our call as for the rest of our ministry through this building that we own and our future. Because the picture of the church is not the building, it's the people. And we inhabit a building as a gift because in this way we have a place where we have a sanctuary where we can meet God and a mission center where we can send out people to share Jesus with them. Let's pray. Father, last night in prayer meeting, just listening to Linus, I was reminded how the earth is your footstool. And the, and the imagery of that is just how big you are. And then to kind of think, you know, we have this building in Hoffman Estates. We know the address and all that other stuff. It is so small in comparison to the world that we live in, to the fact that it is this earth, this planet that we wander is just your footstool. And to imagine that you really don't dwell in buildings, but you dwell in us. The spirit that you have given us when we gave our lives to Jesus lives in us. Unimaginably, absolutely amazing how you, God of the universe, who has created and sustained the world that we live in, would dwell in us. Your call to us, your call to obedience to us is to feast on your word, to obey your word, to let the Spirit fill us, to let the Spirit control us, to let the Spirit speak to us, guide us, direct us, and send us out into this world. For you did not bring us into your family just to bring us into your family but to join you, to partner with you, to partner with others, to share the good news that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, creator and sustainer of this world, stepped into this world, lived among us, a man of sorrows, to die on a cross to save us from our sin, for we would turn from it and then find eternal life. For you, Jesus, are not in a grave. Not only have you ascended into heaven, but you are seated at the right hand of our Father, watching over us, speaking to us, and sending us. Fill us with your spirit. May we live in your spirit. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.